This episode of The Last King Podcast is brought to you by technology. Technology. Without it, none of this shit would be happening. Seriously. Asking podcast. I am your co-host, Mr. Toffee, and, and I am your co-host, Shafiq. Yep, yep. Way to cut me off there. <laughs> I hey. think from now on I should be doing my own introductions. Course, okay, being a co-host, I have certain responsibilities, privileges, and uh, obligations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Starting anyway, really I'm, early now. You have to excuse my disposition right now. I just came back from a party last night. Major so hangovers, huh? Major hangover. Yeah. So, Mr. Toffee. Tell people out there, tell our fans, what have you been up to? What did you do last night? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we, I was actually attending this uh, Chilling Like a Villain event hosted oh. by Just Say in Asia. These Shout outs. Really awesome. Yes. These guys are awesome. So they know how to party, that's for sure. Let's just say that. Went to three bars and a club. But I actually prefer the third bar they, did, they had. It was called Jigga Jig. Jigga Jig? Yeah, Jigga Jig. That's at Moss Street in <laughs> Singapore. Not bad, not bad. Very cozy, very dark and... That's it. Uh, what can I say about pop crawl except we got drunk and we just pick cards of all things. Just cards? Just calm down, yeah. Like Magic the Gathering? No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, I think we were playing the usual blackjack and... Oh, even keys. more OG yeah, yeah, card yeah. games, huh? Or Big 2 for our American audiences. Tidy. Yeah, tidy. That game is still timeless up to this day. Surprisingly fun. Okay, wait. But shout outs also to our friends over at Just Saying Asia, especially to uh, Zed. Yep, Zed and Ryan. Oh, Ryan was there too? Yes, he was there. Oh man, I wish I could have gone. Yeah. Uh, but okay, I mean, what else did I miss? Um, How were the girls? Oh yeah, the chicks were hot. Definitely. Chicks were hot? Yes. Yeah, because I... You got lots of Harley Quinns, but you know, cause of Suicide Squad, right? That movie you love. I thought the whole idea <laughs> was for Chilling Like a Villain was for everybody to be like dressed up as like uh, some sort of comic book or movie villain. Yeah, that was a chick penguin. Uh, she was not that yeah a there female was a, that penguin was, that was a female uh do dr doom or oh. dr doomtress wow yeah and she won the whole thing a little cool. bit early for her costumes i mean halloween is like basically a month away yeah. but hey you know shout outs to cosplayers yes, you know doing yes. their thing they got, they, got, they got a good thing going on that was a female darth vader that was awesome too i'm trying to remember what else um that was a female sith lord of course because robot's coming you know what i want to see what? i want to see male versions of female characters Wonder Man. I want to see, a male, see a, a male black canary. Huh? A male black canary. With the fish stockings, the hairy legs. Yes. <laughs> the hairy legs. Huh? Wow. <laughs> Taking it there. <laughs> Seeing it all just peek through the fishnets. Huh? We've also got big news to share, actually. Oh, what about? Yes, we are finally on iTunes. Yes. Please write a review, rate, subscribe, okay? Get our visibility out there. We are the premier Southeast Asian podcast about all things video games, movies, television. P, yo. Big P right there. Shout outs to iTunes for uh, putting us out there. And uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, hey, please do let us know. Please do tell us how you're getting your uh, Last King fix, you know. You can reach us on our Twitter at Last King Podcast. You can also kind of reach us on our Instagram at Last King Podcast. And also on our Facebook page. 
Yes, we have a Facebook page too. Wow. Finally. Yes. Nothing but announcements this time. You know? <laughs> we're, we're going places. <laughs> humble beginnings. <laughs> to humble, still humble, but not quite humble beginning. I'm not so sure. Like the, 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 they're on the stepping stone, the precipice. The precipice? Yes. The precipice? Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Perplexed at the precipice. Did a pipe of a pick a pack of But pepper. okay, I know, I do understand that in 2016 that this is the kind of thing that we all really need to be a part of. We need to jump in on that social media racket. We need yep. to get our, uh, not just our podcast across, but get our views across, get our points, uh, get our personalities across. And like, I don't know. I mean, right now it's all work. I mean, we're getting no money for this. But um, it's the fun kind of work, the kind that we can actually distress if yes. that even makes sense. Do I really look forward to all these sessions we have? Where we all just ramble on, you know, drunk or not. Yep. Today, more hungover than not. Huh? Yeah, more hungover than drunk. But it's still, we were still achieving the same effect. Yeah, but okay, so... We actually have another announcement. We do? Yes. Nothing but... We By the time this podcast is out, GameStar should be happening in the next few days. Ooh, GameStar Asia. That is October 7 to 9. It's like one of the biggest video game conventions ever in, in Asia. In Singapore, Asia? Yeah, let's just say Southeast Asia. Southeast, Southeast Asia. Because I still think, right, we want to compare us to something like the Tokyo Game Show. It's about comparable. Let's you just think? Say, think about it this way. TGS yes. has a long lineage for like what? True, true. 10 years, I guess. Yeah, they've been around. Yeah, and GameStar is like, this is this is third year, so... In terms of like climbing up the ladder to for relevance, GameStart has it going on. Yeah. And I've attended not one of these events, but two of these events. Okay. And they're really good. I, you see the passion from the crowd. You see the retro DNA uh, uh, fix. You know, for old, old school gamers, you got a fix. You got Time Crisis 2 setups on display. This you got, was last you know, year? Arcade cabinets. Yeah, that was last year. The, who's bringing all this retro goodness to GameStart? I believe it's the combination of Versus City. Uh, these guys who do arcade... Uh, fix up some fixer uppers and all that. Keeping the coin op dream alive. Huh? Yep, they are. Not just <laughs> coin ops, but also uh, eight bit and sixteen bit machines. Oh, shout outs and to OG retro gaming. In yeah. In fact, uh, here's a little tidbit. Uh, last year, we actually had a three D, a working three D over there. Holy shit! And where we, did you find it? <laughs> I have to ask, we, we can probably bring Len down for a podcast, so we can question him as much as. Shout outs to Len. <laughs> yeah. He actually got that running. We got Ray, Way of the Warrior running. Oh! And you know who did Way of the Warrior, right? Oh, man. Look. And you know what was actually playing like a few blocks away from... Blocks? A few blocks away. Oh. I'm going to count this blocks. Blocks away. Booths. Booths away. away. <laughs> uh, a few booths away. Um, they had the demo of uh, Uncharted 4. Oh, that was last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah last I remember year, yeah. that. Because the game came out this year, right? So they got to hop that where. Man, have you gotten on the Uncharted 4 yet? Conquered? I mean, have you finished it? Played it? I did. It was lovely. I loved it a lot. But anyway, it was just funny that we had Weird Warrior playing and Uncharted 4 was just, you know, right there. Naughty Dog's humble beginnings, you know? <laughs> Look, Weird the Warrior, man, I think we should add it to the list of fighting games to play besides Street Fighter. <laughs> yes. Shout out to that episode, episode number one. <laughs> I think, I, think it, it, I won't say it has aged considerably well, but... It's just a nice, it's just a nice milestone to see how far Naughty Dog has become, you know. Uh, but this is the fighting game where, a, 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 like, a guy shoots a fireball from his kilt, right? That is actually Kasumi Ninja. Oh my bad, yeah, 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 yeah. Warriors yeah. or Ninja. That so, was all a Jaguar. The, the other. Yeah, the other. 
CD base. Was it yeah. CD base? It was, right? It was, <laughs> it was cartridge base. There was a CD version. The CD version did not work. Man. At all. <laughs> I think like about one, only 1% of the people who got Jaguars, probably two people, actually had it, had it working. Mm, but yeah, sh- shout outs to Way of the Warrior for being the other Mortal Kombat clone, I guess, for its time. Yeah. Man, I miss that whole taking photographs of people and animating shit. Yeah. <laughs> mocap technology. It's, uh, not, you, a long it's not even mocap okay, anymore. Mocap, sorry. It's literally <laughs> photographs of people animated together. Still, stop motion yeah, fighters. Stop I want. I want to create a whole genre just calling it stop motion fighters. We got Way of the Warrior, all the Mortal Kombat's we, up to three. We have to do an episode uh, of that. Stop motion scary. fighters. Oh, definitely also Clay Fighter. Clay Fighter would fall into that category, I guess. I did like playing that Jackie Chan game. Oh, fuck. Yes, yeah. the one where you get like five different versions of Jackie Chan. It, this, is, this came out around the same time as Street Fighter, the movie, the game. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yo, I remember there was one character who was just basically a dude in a lion dance outfit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The fuck was that? And you know, like the most powerful character is actually a white guy in the game. Oh wow! I think it was a rocker dude. I'm not sure. Torsten, Tor, whatever. Oh, does he have frame traps and <laughs> one frame I was, links? I was just using this one move over and over again, just mixing it up. Well, we I'm need one. to find ourselves a copy of that game and review. You can probably it. play that again. Start. Maybe I can put in a request with Len. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yo. Yo. I will definitely want to put my hands on that machine again. Yeah. <laughs> I remember and watching it back in the day. I better. I better forget this since we're on fighting games. The official Southeast Asia Majors 2016 is yes. yes. happening in October 7 to 9th. And have you heard the announcement? Yes, Mike Ross and Gutex are coming Gutex down. Gutex and Mike Ross, okay. I've not seen these guys since uh, 2011. They actually came out of Singapore at one time. Oh, I remember that, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they came down, brought them out for, you know, chili crab and stuff. That really? was probably the biggest <laughs> bill we ever paid for chili crabs, come to think of it. You personally felt fed, not felt. Oh, did fed, you fed, did fed, you feel yeah, them up too? Fed, oh no, god, you fed Gutex and Mike Ross. Yeah, yeah, they were Yo, I'm I'm a fan of those guys. I've been watching their excellent adventures yeah. since way back in the day. Uh, I mean, like even before Cross Counter TV and all that. Like when Gutex was just starting on his whole, uh, I don't know, finding game personality, celebrity. I don't know what these kind of people are called. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll they say finding game personality. Like Gutex takes part in evil. Yeah, he does. He doesn't really do well. But shout-outs to Gutex for being, if I'm not mistaken, his claim to fame is he's the first American to beat Justin Wong in, th- in tournament. I believe so. It was like Texas Showdown or something way back in the day, like vanilla Street Fighter era, right? The guy's keeping it real. That's, that's to say that he's like being, being very, very busy, mostly for the fighting game scene stuff. No, I mean, but and of course, excellent Yo, shout-outs to him for being not just a pioneer in the whole like um, fighting game online uh, social media community. I mean, like not just putting out the videos, but I mean like opening the doors for like like for, for Twitch streaming for other fighting game community guys to have their own uh mini communities and videos and like you know for making the scene so vibrant and open I, I would say he is personally responsible for the popularity of Street Fighter 4 yeah because I think he would probably be like I can't really think of anybody else he would take he took Street Fighter 4 I mean if I recall he made a book I mean he wrote a book like a little PDF Giving you fighting game fundamentals. How to play Street Fighter 4 when you're getting out Street Fighter 3, if I recall, right? Not just that, but basically he also had this kind of like, you know, fighting game how to how to play fighting games for noobs. So it's like, you know, like shout outs to him for like educating the next generation and for like probably being the first step towards what a lot of people have become right now. 
And I mean, like, you know, you have to understand, like, for guys like us back in the day, there was no Gutex. There, there was, was no YouTube. There, there was, was no YouTube. No, nothing. There were really dank forums where you have to go through, like, whole threads of just people arguing about... And you had about... to make friends with people in the arcade, which is nice and all, but, you know, it's old school, just like old school all the way. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. but, you know, like, Gutex, what he's done, how, I mean, how he's changed fighting games, like, how he's changed fighting game education. I mean, like, you know, shout-outs to him. And I can't wait to meet in person and just shake his hand. Okay, and let's not forget, there's also Mark Julio and a bunch of other guys. Um, Mark Man himself. Yeah, Mark Man's coming down. Mr. Tekken. Um, Try to remember who else. Because my friend, uh, uh, what's that, cameraman, he told me everyone's coming down. Shout-outs to Young Tech. Yep, yep. <laughs> he said everyone's coming down. So Everybody's like, coming down? Wow. Yeah. Daigo? Is Daigo coming down? I hope so. That'll be cool. The last Man. time he was... Down at Southeast Asian Majors, no, mm. sorry, 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 not uh, for Game Start. He was actually uh, checking out Super Mario Brothers before his tournament. Really? Yeah, and he what, was actually checking it out at the Versus City booth, the Retro DNA booth. I would think that yeah, Daigo would be the kind of guy who does play other games. Yes. I think a lot of misconception people have about fighting relax, game players. Yeah, it's like oh, you only play Street Fighter? No, I'm, I'm pretty sure like I don't know superstars like Infiltration or even like maybe CN. Like I mean, they delve into Final Fantasy and stuff too, right? So it's not just Street Fighter Five that you know, is actually up there in Association Majors. There's also King of Fighters 14. Yes. Of course. Still, to me, the best fighting game this year. Um, I'm not sure if Tekken 7 is there, but it might be there, I believe. Because, um, you know, it's slightly... I mean, people are playing in the arcade, but it's the first time it's actually being shown in consoles. I would like to see a tournament of Tekken players. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's just something really exciting about that game. I mean, granted, like, I play Street Fighter, I play King of Fighters, right? And the thing is, I don't know anything about Tekken, but as a 3D fighter, just watching it, I mean, it's like, it's, it's just... It's like know. a different kind of ballet, you know? You gotta, yeah, you gotta yeah. remember there's a Y, there's a y, y, X, Z axis, three axes to worry about, mm. three dimensions, right? Oh, but okay, so speaking of probably celebrated fighting game players for Southeast Asian majors, yeah. who else do you think is coming? Who else is coming though? Who has been announced? Huh? Um, I mean, Homeboy no Sien will definitely be of there. Of course, yeah, that's his country. He better, he better, <laughs> he better represent up. in his own yeah. town, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's about it. I mean, well, we don't really have official news yet, mm. despite the fact that, you know, we know Mike Ross and uh, Gutex coming down. Can't wait to meet them. Yeah. And Mark Man too, but that's it <laughs> so far. Well, you know what? Whoever does come down, yo, it'll be an event, it'll be an occasion. Yo, see you guys at GameStar Asia, okay? Give a shout out to not only these guys, but to your friends at The Last King Podcast. Yes. Okay, say hi. I'll be bringing my camera down. I'll be taking pictures. I'll be uh, definitely uh, pumping up the Instagram feed at Last King Podcast. Yes. Please do follow. Please do give a few likes here and there whenever you can. But yeah, definitely. Game start happening probably as this podcast is being <laughs> put into your ears right now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, enough about Game Start Asia, okay? But Mr. Toffee. Yes, what's up? What have you watched or played recently? Well... As everyone knows right now, there's actually a new expansion for Destiny that Ooh, came out. Destiny. Yes, yes. The game that people say is comfort food. People hate it because it's like that. But as a shooter, it's it's supposed to be a social shooter kind of experience. So you kind of need people to play with. If you play this alone, you're playing the game wrong. Definitely. Really? Yes. This is more like a... You know like how smartphone games are kind of social games in a sense too? Okay. I feel Destiny is like that. And I'm not knocking the game like that. It's not a bad thing to say. It's like, it's not meant to be a shooter like Quake. It's not meant to be a shooter like Doom or whatnot. I would say it's in the same category as something like Borderlands. Um, where it's more team-based, cooperative. Yes, very team-based. But also has that wow aspect as well too. The fact that you're just teaming up with people you know. Mm -hmm. In strikes, in raids, 
and teaming up and you know trying to fight for an objective. Now the new expansion came out. It's called Rise of Iron. It's dealing with uh, a new faction of enemies uh, from a close part of old Russia. So there's like a whole unearthed map uh, in 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 in, this, in the old maps that we used to be we used to play at. So, so it's now in the very very snowy parts of Russia. So it's a like there's more stages or they opened up the world or uh there's actually basically more stages and more strikes okay now the campaign is arguably short but the last mission oh boy it's so it's it's actually paced very well like you're actually going through this whole crawl space and everything you see all these like uh uh these are techno tech organic virus trying to techno virus yeah, techno virus techno virus <laughs> basically it's called siva siva and that's the whole threat right there these aliens are actually messing around with powers they don't comprehend which is why they're all look they look kind of fucked up so that being means, a destiny player yourself yes. how is this expansion compared to what other the other content i mean what do you think i actually feel that taken king is stronger in terms of like delivering that one two punch of surprise okay but this is actually not bad. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm not saying it's really, really good. I'm just saying it's good. It's great. But only because I haven't played the raid yet. I believe it came out by the time this podcast... It'll probably be way out by the time this podcast comes out anyway. Okay, we're recording but, uh, right now, on the 25th of September. Yep, so yep. this will probably be out a couple of days from now. Yep, yep. <laughs> anyway, um, so... Yes, I, I fight through different wastelands and all that. I like the fact that when you're on patrols, where mm. you're actually exploring the new part of old Russia, you are and you are covering random missions here and there through the little beacons. You actually get to unlock more of the game's lore like a little bit. Uh, unlock even more missions to actually unlock uh, to craft new weapons. Okay. Like the new Galahorn. This is actually a rocket launcher that people have sought, have been waiting for an upgrade since the, <laughs> since the Taken King. I mean, when the Taken King came out, that game, that, that rocket launcher was made useless. Really? Because all the weapons basically had a boost of, boost of damage. And that one has not gotten a year two upgrade. But now the Yalahorn has a year three upgrade. So, I'm not a Destiny player. Mm. Though I do like myself a couple of FPS games as well. Is this the right time for me to jump in? Um, with the Taken King out and with Rise of Iron out, yes, I believe so. This is a good time to just jump in, make friends, play through all the strikes and raids. Okay. Because there's going to be lots of... You're going to have lots of powerful shit, basically. So, like... For like, the only raid you probably might not have a problem with, it's still uh, The Wrath of the Machine. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's still like a gauntlet of things, from what I've heard. I haven't actually played it myself. It's like a gauntlet of things you have to go through. You have to kill bosses by throwing things at them and then making the shield go down and then you can actually kill them. Okay. certain bombs and all that. But, I don't know. I felt that the Taken King's raid, uh, the King's Fall, was still the best one for me. Oh, okay, cool. So, until I play this... Taking King's Raid is still the best because, again, you get kept, you get to kill a huge motherfucker. And <laughs> yeah. the end, it's, it's a good payoff. And then you actually learn certain mechanics here and there, like you got to throw light here, you've got to jump in a certain order, all that. And that all comes full circle at the last mission of that raid. Hmm. Actually pays off. That's just good design, per se. Okay. Very cool, but like, I don't know. Um, in terms so, of loot, all that, um, I haven't gotten yeah, anything I mean, really fresh. I think people want to know, what are the buffs or the nerfs? Are Titans still overpowered? Mm, yeah, they still are, actually. <laughs> when you, as long as you're a Titan using the element of fire, like you're using the burning hammer, you're fine. Yes, you are fine. You shouldn't, you should not have much issues playing with the I know there's a lot of grief for Titan players, yeah, especially. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I'm even a Titan player myself, but I oh. actually, no, 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 I, I stick to Warlock, but my secondary guy is a Titan. Because someone needs to put up the double shield somehow, right? True. No one wants to do it, so fuck it, I'll do it. I mean, what would be the best class to use for a noob like me? 
Um, Titan, right? Titan. <laughs> Titan is basically the beginner character. Mm. Yeah, basically the Ryu of the game. Ryu is not really a beginner character. No, no he, he is in a sense. You actually left Yeah, you learn from him first, right? Yeah. But Ryu... Yeah, okay, I get, I get it what you mean. Uh. Yeah, Ryu yeah. would definitely be a beginner character, not so advanced. Uh. We're using Street but, Fighter. But, but just like in Street Fighter Five, somehow people are using more and more Ryus. Because Ryu is I mean, fucking good, bro, yeah. in Street Fighter. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, more, and, more, and people are using more and more Titans, basically. Mm. Okay. So I'm just keeping it real by just, you know, using the Warlock. I thought keeping it real be using like Hunter class or something. Uh, that's a bit too tough for me. Actually. <laughs> like that's for the advanced guy, yeah, right? Yeah, the one uh, double jumping not really my thing for this game. Mm. I kind of prefer the double jumping in Doom. Not so much here for some reason, because I'm so spoiled by all the floating and all the, you know, the, the jumping around and all that. In Destiny, that to double jump as a hunter, not so much. Well, now the loot that you get, the new additions, is uh, artifacts, special artifacts that basically sort of turn the game slightly across the bend. Like, for example, I got one called Memories of Timor. Okay. So basically, if I were to hit an enemy with my melee attack, there's probably a 10% chance he'll go on my side temporarily. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so it's like a good crowd control thing. There's also one which makes you sprint for unlimited... Basically, there's a cooldown for sprinting, right? Mm-hmm. So this other artifact, Memories of Jordan, Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually makes you just sprint as long as possible. So no cooldown needed. So these artifacts are items or perks that you uh, add? These are items. You actually have a slot called basically items and artifacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they just give you extra buffs. Kind of like runes in Diablo or stuff like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, more like accessories, come to think of it. I think a better term should have been accessories. Okay, you know, accessories. rings and stuff. Oh, kind of like in Borderlands when you had your shields and you also had your other buffs. It's the same concept. Yeah, okay, same I get concept. it, I get it. So like a guy like me who's like really hard up on games like who I really love Borderlands and Borderlands mm-hmm. 2, right? Like I couldn't jump into Destiny and like really feel at home. It was more like a very serious take in a sense. Like it's like trying to be more important than it is. So but when Taken King came out, it actually injected a bit more humor. A bit more fun, huh? Yeah, a bit more fun, yes. Mm. It felt less... How do you say? It, it, it didn't feel like broad strokes. I mean, broad strokes is good and all, but it kind of makes it boring per se. I get, I I get what you mean because it sometimes right when they need to like kind of cater to the lowest common denominator, and then the game actually kind of breaks itself or it becomes a bit too, I would even say fashionable. But it's like when too many people jump on the same meta and too many people doing the same thing, right? There is no variety, hence no real growth in community. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Now, I also understand that apparently there are less people working on Rise of Iron. They had to do this for nine months or so. And given the effort, it's a commendable effort, dude. It's like, okay, I mean, there are no cutscenes, unfortunately. I mean, there are only like, what, the beginning and the ending cutscene. But apart from that, I'm actually alright with it. Like, I just like how the the final mission is. Mm -hmm. The strike's actually kind of fun, despite the fact that we're using assets, but... I feel that's what expansions are, are sometimes. Yeah, I guess so too. Like, I mean, you want to give people value for money, but at the same time, you don't want to like you know have a whole company try to push out too much of a good thing. And I plus, say. I think they might be working on Destiny Two for you know, right? That's so. gonna be a thing, definitely. Yeah, right? yeah, a next gen. This okay, a current gen Destiny. <laughs> because uh, they have to remember, they have to remember, Destiny came out when the PS3 and the Xbox 360 was still around. Mm. You know, so they had to make it. For, the, for, the, for that crowd. The, That backwards compatibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Rise of Iron basically says, fuck that, we're just going for the PS4 and the Xbox One market. Mm. Yeah. So, you would say that, you know, kind of, this... Uh, it may not change your mind, thought. but if you have not played Taken King, it's a good addition to the Taken King. Okay. Yeah. So, if you have not touched Destiny at all, play this. 
buy everything, go through, experience everything, and then you you'll have a good time. Just make sure to bring friends along or have someone help you out. I would just say, I mean, is that going to be like a game of the year or a compendium edition where everything just thrown in? I believe there is. It's selling right now together with Rise of Iron. Okay, it should cool. be at a discounted price. Man, it's like how bundles are anyway, right? If only this is on PC. Mm. Yeah. Speaking okay. of which, I believe you have played something that came out recently. Too, yes. Right? Speaking of shooters with added value for some reason, I went back to a very classic game of last generation, this generation. You know, I'm really sick of like having to describe each wave of console or technology as a generation because a generation should actually last an entire lifetime of a person. And then like for gaming or for technology, it's always like four or five years. And so it's always weird because now we're in this weird kind of like last gen, next gen. So what is current gen? Is 1080p still last gen, next gen? You know what I mean? If you think yeah, about it that yeah. way. But I think it's just the whole marketing speak. People just keep throwing these buzzwords around in their press releases. Fucking just, annoying. We just, and that is the, that's the thing that's been forming since the 90s. So yeah, true that. Blame that. <laughs> well, speaking of gen, gen gen, but... I would say this is the Bioshock remaster. Ah, yes, I've heard a bit about it. So, so tell us, tell us more. Like, is it worth the value? Is so, for all of those who've been living under a rock, Bioshock has, to me, probably the best FPS game since Half Life Two. Okay, and they've remastered it, upres the graphics, changed things around. I've played only the first uh, chapter of the remastered edition. Now, for all of those out there who have this on their Steam, okay, if you have any of the Bioshock games, okay, I think you. what happened to me was I got an automatic game added to my library, the Bioshock. It's going to be called Bioshock Remastered. Oh, nice, nice. Took me by surprise. I thought this was something I had to purchase extra. But props and uh, shout-outs to the guys over... Is, it, is this 2K? Yeah, 2K, 2K. 2K for giving me a free copy of a game I already own. <laughs> but with better <laughs> graphics. <laughs> now, here's the thing. It didn't change anything. It's only graphics. Yeah. Everything was just the same, basically. So, it kind of makes sense. Like, imagine reselling this game. And then now it's like, I'm playing it, it's like, oh, hey, it's Bioshock. It just looks different. And now you got Steve achievements too. Well, that's the best thing about it. I think that's the, probably the only reason why I'm replaying this game right now. Is because now like, oh, because like, I think Bioshock 1, when it came out on Steam, right? It was like, I don't know if it was before Steam achievements, but I remember I think it doesn't have any Steam achievements. But I did play this on Xbox 360 when I had it. I loved it so much. Then my Xbox 360 crapped out. Then when I got a PC, yeah, fuck it, I'll play on like... Uh, I'll play on my PC. And back then, dude, the game looked great. Okay, I was still running like an AMD 8800 GT or something like that, you know? So now what I'm running is like a NVIDIA GTX 980 Ti. Beefy video card. Witcher looks great on my machine. I'm playing Bioshock. Looks good. Now, what else can I say about it? Not much, I'm guessing. No, nah, because Bioshock is basically a great game. <laughs> a great game with just enhanced graphics. I would even say better graphics because it's you're not really changing much. I mean, textures... It's, it's just like of, an up-res, is it? Yeah, I guess. You know, they recall it a few things too. Mm. Uh, for the better, yeah. I mean, it doesn't change the story. It doesn't change the gameplay. It's still a great game. <laughs> I mean, I, I could go on a whole spiel about how selling things like remastered... I mean, we'll... The next thing that's going to be coming up will be the Skyrim remaster. Oh, yes, shit. yes. The 1080p version, apparently. Is it? I mean, I the know. 2K version, definitely. I mean, but the thing is, 2K 
uh, texture maps, 2K texture mods have existed. Not with not just from the external like modern community, but from within Skyrim itself. They did have downloadable 2K and 4K texture maps that you can you know, uh, upgrade your visuals you with. Think, right? Do you think Bethesda, like for those who have owned like Skyrim in 2011, I believe, you think they might send this one for free for some of us? I think that's what they promised too, because I think you can't uh, double... I mean, you, you can't just see what 2K did and then not do the same thing. I mean, I think it was also kind of announced probably during QuakeCon or something that uh, Skyrim Remastered Edition, which is basically your Legendary Edition with all the DLC included, now with uh, so-called up-res, upscale graphics. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, right, do you know anything about the Skyrim modding community? Uh, well, apart from seeing videos on it, no, not much. Dude, there's a whole gigantic scene of people just modding and recreating assets and creating new assets and just making this game look prettier than it should be. I did remember <laughs> they, they did try to release a Morrowind uh, map inside uh, Do it. Uh, Skyrim, if I recall. Whatever you or just said. Or even Redguard. Or even the Desert, the desert Or even Daggerfall Arena. Yeah. Whatever you just said, it probably already exists. Yeah, probably <laughs> Somebody there, figured yeah. it out. Yo, but the Skyrim modding scene, you know, that was the reason like for me to like you know get a better graphics card because the things these guys were doing with like ENBs and stuff like that right holy shit how breathtaking that game can really look and you're actually making me want to play it again though dude I am really looking forward to the Skyrim uh, remastered re-release whenever it comes out just so to see whether it compares with what I've modded already dude I should even just do a stream of like my modded Skyrim I got like a hundred mods on this piece of shit oh man but who's who's gonna be your companion for your new playthrough are you gonna have Lydia still or the Lion Cat I'm gonna have uh, you know I'm gonna have I'm gonna have an anime princess because I can do that modded Skyrim yo (laughs) Give everyone enemy eyes. <laughs> Every Yo, attack you do has a speed line coming out. Still, my favorite mod for Skyrim is when they replaced all the dragons with Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> you gotta find that, that video, that man. Awesome. Dude, that is a giggle fest oh. in itself. Yo, speaking of shoutouts like that, if you can also, right, if you want to see modded Skyrim at its insaneness, right, I think some dude actually did one where he replaced all the dragon sounds with Macho Man Randy Savage sounds. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I saw a video of that. That is awesome. <laughs> you gotta find that. So, Even with the rapping as well, the rapping Macho Man. <laughs> that, that would be awesome. You, my, my friend, <laughs> the fool's road dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah, yo. Now, here's the thing. Uh, like, maybe on the point no, of reading. God bless Macho Man. God rest God. in peace. Bones already. <laughs> oh, man. Probably the best WWFE actor after. Uh, Hogan <laughs> no fuck him okay Hogan pre uh, come nah, nah. Hollywood Hogan fuck Hogan Rod- Rowdy Roddy Piper okay, okay. still the number one yes. W wrestling slash actor yo they live shout outs to that movie <laughs> oh, okay but yeah so I mean like, like, what I really want to just get a check I like the fact that all these companies are kind of like jumping on the whole hey people are now in looking to the future graphics and 4K HDR I mean like we saw this whole kind of presentation done by Sony about how like hey we're promising you more more graphics <laughs> and like oh you know what I just want to really get across what why aren't you promising us more gameplay <laughs> I mean, I think they are have been doing their homework quite a bit. I mean, we got Horizon Zero Dawn. I mean, you know those bunch of other games coming out, right? I mean, they Horizon look pretty, but I can't really tell. Like, okay, here's something that kind of like I just want to really bring up. Right, I mean, I saw this at Tokyo Game Show. Hideo Kojima, yes. the mastermind himself. He's hawking a lot of wares, from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you saw the Death Stranding video? Yes. 
So based on the not 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 the new videos, but the initial video, mm. what's that game about? What do you He's do? He's keeping it a mystery, apparently. And people are going crazy because it's a Kojima thing. Because it's people like people love Kojima things. Or is it CGI Norman Reedus holding a baby naked on a beach? Like you do, you should have seen the PlayStation <laughs> uh, conference that happened like during TGS when oh. they did it. Like uh, pre TGS, sorry, pre TGS. Okay. Apparently, Kojima showed a bit of Dead Stranding, and him a caricature of him holding a stick, beating up someone, or really? poking someone. I remember there's this picture of him and like, like that's hand- his presentation. That's his presentation. There's also a hand-drawn picture of him and Guillermo del Toro and like two other guys. He's explaining like the so-called the cooperative mechanics or some shit. Yes, like that. that's the one. That's the one. The, the caricatures. F- and he's like, oh, he's man. probably the only guy can get away with that shit. And that's my problem with him, man. This guy has swapped his own ass nowadays. <laughs> God damn it. He is like the he is the perfect like you know poster boy for this is what a fil- a failed filmmaker making games. Is <laughs> oh, we, are, we are we are going there. We are going. No, there. no, no. It's true. Okay, I mean, I've said it before. Metal Gear Solid Two is still the best in the series. Three, four. Okay, five is good. I like five a lot. Mm. Three, a bit up its own ass. Four, really up its own ass. You could smell its own farts before okay. it even emerges. Goddamn fuck, Metal Gear Solid Four. <laughs> it's it's a movie in its own right. But no, it's actually, not. It's not even it's a, a movie. movie. <laughs> it's not even a good movie. That's the problem, you know. I know you want to make movies, you know, but people want to play games. Don't put movies in games. Stop doing that. <laughs> okay. I mean, the last it's thing. It's a dream. It's a dream. Uh, keep the dream alive elsewhere, bro. I mean, okay, but okay. No, still shout out to Kojima for like you know creating a franchise that was so well loved and it's now going to be totally ruined by Metal Gear Survive wife apparently <laughs> probably I don't know yo I've been catching up on the whole like uh, the, 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 the very famous hashtag that we've seen uh, not just that but did you see the Kojima reaction to Survive I actually did not no oh really no 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 you know what he said what uh, Metal Gear is about like political espionage it's about you know telling the story of the solid snakes that's not a Metal Gear game Hands down, he's just he's just blatantly. I shit think he on also that. said something. Okay, I might. Okay, I think he did say something about why use zombies, why not use robots or something. Really? Yeah, I think he said that. Another tweet, or maybe it was another tweet he did a while back. Man, okay, during but, a Tokyo Game Show. But this is something that I really want to follow. I want to see what these guys who are working on Metal Gear Survive have to do because this is going to be the uphillest of uphill battles oh, for these people. It's going to be hated even before it comes out. It's already hated. That's yeah. the thing. You know how many dislikes they have on YouTube right oh, now, right? This shitload. But like, it's, it's probably just as bad or even worse than the what's that? The Call of Duty video maybe, that came out a while back. Oh, the Infinite Warfare. Yeah, Infinite Warfare. Dude, that game looks fun. I don't know why it's, people hating on it. I don't know too. Do we? Really really want to blow up like more people in Saudi Arabia oh, or North probably, Korea and you probably get to shoot Jon Snow I guess because I think he's a bad guy in that one he is? yeah Kit Harrington. Kit Harrington? Yes. he knows nothing you know yeah. <laughs> that's why he's in the Call of Duty game man really I mean yeah okay this might bring up a whole new game of Game of Thrones Call of Duty style wow I have an idea for a game myself right now <laughs> but anyway all I want to say is this right I am going to be following the development of Metal Gear Survive because here's the thing, right? It could be a Greek tragedy for all you know. Or it could be the greatest game ever made. <laughs> we haven't thought about that. You know, the other, the we don't know till it comes out. The flip side of the coin. What if they pull it off? <laughs> it, it could work, actually, because the even though Kojima left, his team, his team who did most of the Metal Gears, they're still there in Konami. Yeah, I, I mean, only Kojima game. left. That's the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. There's probably a few others, but yeah. 
a majority of the team they're still there what's yeah. the name of his new team Fox something right? no that's the name of the engine mm, there's Fox Kojima engine. Productions or something Kojima right? Productions I believe or Kojima Studios because like I mean let, let me take you back remember when people hated on Saints Row for being nothing but a GTA clone apparently it became its own horse and, and it really became good. its own thing yeah. so like, like dude hands down Saints Row 3 I mean 4 I didn't really like because mm-hmm. of basically a rehash of 3 actually well, 4 Okay, okay, we can go. Four had awesome Keith David moments. Yes. I will give it that. Yes. <laughs> okay, shout out also to Roddy Roddy Piper yeah. again for being the best slash wrestler slash, slash actor slash video game character. Dude, his cameo in four. Wow, oh, I, I giggled my ass off. That Dude, but, but when it happened, <laughs> I love that. But like, no, I mean, like, true. I mean, people hated on Saints Row too. It was that. Actually, I like. I, I will probably. I thought it was okay. Guys, I thought it was a very decent GTA. Clone. And three was good too. No, the three is a totally different game. It has nothing. I mean, it has something to do with like one and two, but it took it on a whole new direction. Mm. And I don't remember if it's because it was like the change in management or the change in uh, developers. Um, the team is the same. The guys who did the volition, the guys who actually worked on part one, they did two, three, and four. Really? So it was a conscious decision to turn it into what it is. So like, what I'm and Saints Row Four actually kind of reminded me of a crackdown that could have been oh, a man. good crackdown game. Crackdown, yeah. it's so disappointing. No, but still, I'm like, I think I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a devil's advocate, but I'm gonna give these guys a chance. Okay, I'm gonna I'm not gonna bet on this horse, but I'm gonna see where this goes. And I think I'll put the question out there: What if Metal Gear Survive is actually a good game? Hmm. Hmm. You know, because like seriously, would you rather live in a world without Metal Gear games? Yeah, that would be a shitty place to be in. <laughs> but well, but again, that's, 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 that's a very bad timeline. But then again, you know, Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and Revenge as fuck. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Revengeance, <laughs> yo. We always have to go back to Revengeance. The, the best Metal Gear game wasn't even made by the Metal Gear team. <laughs> fuck, man. I'm, uh, uh, when is that coming out on PC in Asia? God damn it, Konami! <laughs> it's still like not available in my region. What the fuck? Sucks, I, I will give money to play that game. I only st- I honestly thought that it did. Hashtag fuck, fuck Konami, bro. <laughs> Oh, Alright, okay. I think we should take a short break before we head on to other, other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm actually thirsty right now. Okay, so I think after the break, we're going to talk about what I've been watching on Netflix. You oh, know, yeah. I've been catching up myself some Narcos. Uh, also, not on Netflix, but I managed to get myself a, a, a time to watch the entire Preacher series, which I really want to gush about kind of slightly a little bit. And you, Mr. Toffee? I believe I saw The Blair Witch, the movie that just came out recently. Apparently, it was marketed differently. It was called The Woods earlier on. And then, when that came out... Oh, it turns out it was a Blair Witch book. It was actually a Blair Witch sequel. Like a true one, per se. And it actually turned out pretty alright. So, is Book of Shadows still good? <laughs> uh, the less said about that, the better. Um, Find out after the break. Hi, this is Tom Taylor, and you're listening to TheLastKing.net. Black. Okay, that was a nice, lovely break we had just now. Yep, yep. So we finally got some drinking done. Water, <laughs> drinking water. Not Still recovering, alcohol. huh? You? Yeah, yeah. Yo, it's 
such a hard life we lead, you know, getting drunk, doing yes. podcasts, going yeah, out, partying, <laughs> and then going to work tomorrow. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of um, earlier shout-outs, you know, you we're see. we're on iTunes, we're on the Facebook. You know, it's a very... It's all our humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. Our racks to riches, rise to fame, if you were to uh, put it that way. You know, one day we will be too big for all you motherfuckers. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> we will be too cool for all you. We will we'll stop following you back. But until that day, please be friends with us, okay? Let me just remind you guys, we are now on iTunes. You can find us on Facebook. We're on Twitter, at Last King Podcast. Our Instagram is also at Last King Podcast. Or you can visit us on our uh, really nice website, thelastking.net. Fuck you, whoever owns lastking.com.net. <laughs> you know, God. No, but then again, speaking of Rags to riches. Yes, you have seen a recent show that was on Netflix, right? Oh, it's, I is wouldn't it say it's recent. I mean, it's current, definitely. Now, okay, what I want to talk about is this show, uh, Narcos. Yes. Which uh, is two seasons long on Netflix. Okay, I want to talk about this a lot earlier, like a few podcasts ago, but I haven't really been able to really catch up on it. Uh, but now, as of today, I have finally seen all of uh, the Narcos, okay? Uh, Getting on that narcos hype, uh, hijo de puta hashtag, whatever that means, you know, lead or silver. Yep, yep. So um, here is my overall review of the show. Yes. So I'll is be- it good? Is it worth the time it's to watch it? Extremely okay. <laughs> it's not that great, though. I do understand why it's get gaining a lot of traction and getting really popular with the people right now. I mean, it's the kind of show where basically, you know, you have your humble beginnings, you know, like uh, I was a low-level drug dealer, now I'm the biggest drug dealer of all time. Of course, we're talking about Mr. Pablo Escobar. Okay, and um, all I can say about like Narcos is it's extremely derivative. Like it borrows very obviously. I wouldn't even say like subtly. It'll be like, it's obvious references to previous shows in its ilk that are, you know, just as good or even superior. I'm talking about shows like Goodfellas. I'm talking about shows like City of God. I mean, even like show like your perennial favorite drug dealer movie, Scarface. It's it's heavily referenced. (laughs) Oh, it is. Yeah, I mean, because Uh it's like Scarface is a movie that's set in the 80s, you know, Mm -hmm. and during the whole uh, Miami, like, you know, drug boom. Okay, stuff that happened way over there in the, the other side of the world. Okay, none of that shit happens here. Because in Singapore, you do drugs, you die. <laughs> Not from the drugs, from the law who catches you selling, doing drugs, okay? Just Google our drug laws here, man, and you'll understand why marijuana prices here are ridiculous. But I'm not condoning it in any way, children. <laughs> oh, Stay away from drugs, you know? Just like those old school uh, video games. Yeah, uh, winners don't do drugs. Winners don't do drugs. They La- do something else. They do alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, all I can say about this, right? Narcos, what I like about it, the cast do very good. Uh, they, they, they do their jobs. They do it very well. Okay, the guy who plays Mr. Pablo Escobar himself, I have not seen him in anything else, though I do recall... So you could say it's his first sort no, of no, debut? No, no, I mean, he... It's not really his debut. I mean, he did... Okay, speaking of City of God, I think the director of that movie made another movie that he was in. Look, wow, even his name escapes me right now. Who's the guy who played Pablo Escobar? But still, I mean... Pablo Escobar, for all of you who don't know, was probably like the most notorious, the most renowned, the most successful drug dealer of all time. We're talking about a guy who was raking in millions per hour or per two hours. And this is in the 80s, you know. If you adjusted for inflation, he was probably the richest man in the world. What's the guy's name again? Uh, what? I think it's a Wagner Mora. Wagner Mora, yeah. God bless the internet. <laughs> Thank you, IMDB, for giving me information when I need it. 
Okay, but the story really doesn't just cent- uh, center around him. Okay, we also have uh, Mr. Steve Murphy playing the DEA agent. Okay, Play- he's the guy who's basically hunting Escobar. Now, down. this is where the Goodfellas uh, reference comes in because a lot of the story is told through his narration about he- how he had to transplant his family all the way to Colombia to do this job. You know, being a, a drug enforcement agent, and like you know. It started out with a little bit of a fish out of water scenario where he was like, you know, adjusting to the language, adjusting to the culture, adjusting to how different the Colombian police were doing it. And then he gets partnered with uh, this, the Spanish guy. Okay, what I, re- how I recognize him is he played the, 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 the sexy prince in Game of Thrones, the guy who gets his head crushed in by the mountain. <clears throat> right, right, that guy. Uh, was it Javier Pena? That's the name of the character. Yeah, yeah. That's Pedro Pascal, right? The actor. I think that's his name, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Pedro, shout outs to Pedro for yeah. uh, finding work after Game of Thrones. Yes. <laughs> but that's the funny thing, you know, it's like every time I see him trying to be a serious like drug enforcement agent, it's like I just all I can remember is like, uh, you raped my sister, <laughs> <laughs> then you killed her. <laughs> But the, the thing is, I managed to look past it. I mean, he's a terrific actor. I love the dynamic. I mean, it has buddy cop moments where basically the two of them, I mean, they don't really get along at first. But then soon you start to see how, like, you know, they they, they start to trust each other and then they start to find the common goal of, uh, like, hunting down Mr. Escobar and, like... Um, I mean, the camaraderie is present, you know? I mean, they don't get along. They do, they do things differently. And I think probably one of the best things about this show was seeing how, like, when it comes to, you know, being a policeman or even being a drug lord, right, in the world of, like, you know, of drugs or drug trafficking, right, uh, all these moral dilemmas are, like, put in front of them. And just seeing how they overcome them or the, the choices they make, you know, it's like the dehumanization of this, like, you know, like the, the American police officer when he comes over to Colombia, you can start to see how his innocence slowly, like, you know, disappears. And, can be a force of good. There's no black and white, basically, in yeah, this whole scenario. I mean, and they pull this off very well. I think as part of the storytelling or keeping things interesting, this is one of the stronger parts of Narcos. Now, what I liked about the first season, okay, I'm going to talk about the first season only, mm-hmm. was they packaged everything really nicely. The pacing was beautiful. Uh, speaking of beautiful, yo, the art direction, I mean, even the color correction in the first few scenes, just the way they altered the, the image to make it look filmy, I would say. Like, the contrast and the colors would just, like, you know, really accentuate, like, how 80s it looked. Is this something like a Michael Mann style? or Michael Mann was very blue. Okay. This is very warm, very red, orange, very pink, very vibrant during the day and at night. I mean, yeah, I would say it had a lot of those Michael Mann tendencies. But I love the way that when I looked at this, it felt like a show from the 80s. Like It felt like a show that is you know respecting its period. And it gave a lot of character to the city of Colombia in that time, which is very essential to telling a story like this. Because the thing is, you need to create a world that was... Uh, that that had these kind of situations, that had all these amazing things happen, and I'm do really say amazing because, I mean, if you just Google Pablo Escobar and just the exploits and the things he was capable of and what he did, like his whole coup, <laughs> how he used to like run for office, you know, like, and you would think to yourself, this is stranger than fiction. This is too like too far fetched, right? But no, this shit really it, it happened. Actually happened yes. It actually happened. I mean, like I was aware of Pablo Escobar. I mean, like his exploits occurred even before I was born. I think, I mean, I was born like you know, like late seventies, early eighties, and I, I was a child. I wasn't really aware of him. I mean, I only understood more or grew to 
like uh, I gained more information about him much later and it's like like oh this is a really interesting guy and I also really like the fact that they didn't make him a total bad guy they made him really complicated really complex I mean the actor portrayed it very well I mean at heart Pablo Escobar is a family man he's actually not extravagant I mean like you're gonna make comparisons to something like Scarface where Scarface you can just see the level of excess of how like you know how he started out as just an immigrant and slowly became this drug kingpin and how his life changed his personality his everything changed Pablo Escobar throughout the entire show actually is the same guy it's just a man who wants to take care of his family yes he's got money up the wazoo I mean like scenes of him burying like stacks and like whole slabs of cash in like the, this, the, the Colombian countryside this, this, this is kind of like a parallel to a show I've recently finally caught caught, uh, caught on Netflix Breaking Bad <laughs> you finally caught up to Breaking Bad finally finished everything within one week yo if you wanna first to the fifth season if you wanna watch a superior Rex to Riches drug story yo you can't top Breaking Bad it is so insane like Okay, now going back to Narcos. Yes, Narcos. Okay, you know like how Breaking Bad has its standout moments, like the organs coming out from the <laughs> from the ceiling. You know that bit. Do you know? To like uh, say my name and all that. Do you know what's Just, my number one? I, sorry to interrupt, but my number one Breaking Bad standout moment is which one? When you put the pizza on the roof. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my how god. many takes did that have? <laughs> how did he get it right? And I love the fact that he stayed in the moment and he walked away like ah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, second will be like Danny Trejo's hit on the turtle. Yes, so Spoilers bad. if you haven't seen Breaking Bad all yeah. the way to the end yet. Oh my god, so that's like, so insane. Anyway, what's your standout moment in Narcos since you okay, popped that up? My standout moment for Narcos was basically whenever they just... They, they have this weird thing where they will tell you the story through the characters and then all of a sudden they'll just intersect the news footage hmm. and you see the actual person. And it's like, I mean... And it's, it's, the thing is, I've already done the research, so I wouldn't say that there were moments that stood out, but it's like, I like the fact that they hit the marks. Like, these are the important things that happened. And these are the things that would be, like, now that it's true to the history, though I do realize that to tell a story of this nature or to make it interesting or to sell it on, like, something like Netflix, right, you gotta fabricate here and there. And that would be my major problem with season two. Mm, okay, because okay. season one, I mean, I can definitely tell this was like these were these were guys getting together trying to make a show. They were on their A game and they knew like this was make or break. And then I, could you could really tell that season one they put all into it. Now, okay, season two, the standout moments were all this unnecessary new characters and other things that happened. And like I would say, like the first one. You could tell it was really tight. The art direction, the acting, the script, the story, the pacing, everything perfect. And I really don't want to spoil too much now, if you haven't seen Arcos, because it's still kind of fresh out there, right? But the problem with season two, it felt like nothing but padding. I mean, it was really obvious that these guys didn't think that it would survive, like, you know, a second. After the first season. Yeah, like, and, and there was a lot of moments, right? Like, I do understand that a lot of people are interested in character development. But then all of a sudden, like, to me, the second season felt like a very typical procedural detective show. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there were even shots of just, like, the two detectives in their office just arguing and talking stuff. I don't think people want to watch I know, but it's really that, interesting right? in that. Now. I mean, like, okay, like, stand-up moments, right, was definitely the coup, you know, when, like... It, <laughs> 
basically uh, Pablo Escobar decided to just like overthrow communism and like you know take control of the government okay. <laughs> and then there was also like that st- that the, the, the best standout moment to me probably is like you know just uh, the excess uh, just seeing how rich he was like moments where he's just like taking out stacks of cash and just like burying it into walls <laughs> he had so much money he couldn't spend it all and did then, he use it as toilet paper it seemed like probably <laughs> I don't know you know. but the thing is it's like I mean the the problem with narcos is like when you have stories that's based on truth or based on you know historical events right you can only get away with so much fabrication yeah. I mean like okay there's this one scene okay this is kind of a spoiler, I think. Okay, but the two detectives team up with like this local uh, mil- uh, uh, the police guy, militia, milita. I don't know. I mean, this is the search block people. All right. Okay, right. these were the people who were like this was a task force created just to hunt down Pablo Escobar's minions and like take them out and shoot them and kill them and all that. Right. Mm-hmm. There was this one woman where their leader, this is a colonel or captain Carillo or something. <laughs> Sorry if I can't remember your rank, you know, but but this guy. There's this scene where they round up all these informants who are like actually just little boys. This is the like this is the city of God moment to me. Okay, okay. Which you haven't seen, right? No, I am not. I'm, that, that's that's something I need to rectify really, really quick. Dude, you will love that show. Okay, just how smart and how I mean, if you want to watch a, a show about Latinos and I mean, not, not, I won't even say Latinos, like just the South American gangster movie that's still the pinnacle that's it's, still, it's still a Rex of Riches kind of story right dude mm-hmm. yes and it's a multi-generation multi-generational Rex of Riches story you mm-hmm. actually okay, see like the history of the city the city is a real character now what happens in season 2 for Narcos we kind of lose we, we kind of not have the city as a character anymore it becomes way more focused on the detectives and on Pablo Escobar and all the little sub-characters that start to pop in to kind of add more episodes to the show and as I was saying there's this one scene when Mr. Carrillo like uh, rounds up all these boys who are like runners and informants for like uh, Pablo Escobar and he realises that the, the, the streets the people mm-hmm. living in Colombia are now on his side and not with the like you know, the side of law and he executes one of these kids Oh, man. And then, like, the first thing that popped into my mind was, like, did that really happen? I googled it, didn't really find any information. Then, like, this th- th- this, this character exists, or does it, does it, is it a fabrication, or is it just some filler to add, like, some sort of extra dramatic tension to the show? Mm-hmm. And that's when I kind of lost interest in Narcos during season two. Now, here's another thing about uh, Narcos, right? Not a good show to watch if you don't enjoy reading. Ah, right, right. All <laughs> the research and everything. No, that, that actually makes... Not, not even the research. I'm talking about the show itself. Hmm. A lot of it is spoken in native tongue. Ah, right. So it's a subtitle fest. Oh, okay, okay. And the thing is, about the first season, like, it was shot beautifully. It looks great. It's very lush visuals, you know. And then like reading subtitles, it didn't really bother me. But the thing is, when you have a show like, say, like when it becomes more procedural, so imagine a show like Law & Order mm-hmm. with subtitles. Yeah, some people may it, not actually like that. You actually, yeah, for me, season two is when I really start to lose interest. But then the thing is, it, it still had strong moments that made me feel like I had to keep, you know, I had to like uh, just tough it out and just see this through to the end. And like, I mean, okay, it's not a spoiler, but fucking Pablo Escobar dies. <laughs> of course. Okay, how... <laughs> you, can't, you can't spoil history, dude. You, you, you can't, it's like telling people, how does the Titanic end? The ship sinks. Ah, oh, fuck spoilers. <laughs> no, fuck you, man. You don't know how that happened. No, but the thing is, like, you know, the, the, the dramatization, everything, amazing. I mean, to me, it kind of lost the plot a little bit when 
Pablo Escobar has a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, okay, this is obviously filler. And it's like, you know, I, I, I can kind of guess. And here's the weird thing. Pablo Escobar dies mm-hmm. at the end of season two. Okay. What I heard is this, this show is going to go on for another two seasons. How the hell is this going to continue when your sort of main character is dead? Or maybe is that even a flashback? I don't think that's going to work. It's not. No, what I know is, right, at the end of season two, spoilers again, I'm sorry. But I mean, you can't really spoil, right? I think what they're going to do, I mean, this is what was hinted at, was that these two DA cops who took down Pablo Escobar, now that Pablo Escobar is out of the picture, the other cartels are coming up. Ah, right. So it's building on the guy's legacy in a sense. So kind of like, yeah, the whole story of Pablo Escobar and the Medellin cartel and how their story is ended. Now we're going on to the the next bunch of assholes who decided to claim the throne now that, you know, (laughs) nobody's there anymore. That can work if you can bring a solid performing actor as your point of view character, per se. I guess it'll be focusing more on the detectives now, which I... Here's the thing: the detectives are not really the more in the most interesting part of the whole story. Oh, that's not good. I mean, like they had moments where, like I said, you know, it was like basically, you know, how the loss of innocence and how like this guy from America goes to Colombia. He's a fish out of water, and then like he doesn't even speak the language. But now he's kind of like adjusted to it, and he's adjusted to the, the to the tough way of like you know how, how like the, the the gray areas. It's like. I don't really look forward to season 3 or 4 if it's ever gonna happen. But I mean like as... You always have season 1 at least. Season 1 very good show okay. It borrows heavily from things that have come before and it you know like like a good Tarantino movie you'll recognize the references if you're a nerd about like film and shows and movies but you know like you know, if you or if you've not heard of any of these shows seriously after you watch Narcos please I highly recommend Goodfellas A City of God Definitely Scarface. Scarface for just being the most balls out insane cocaine story oh ever. God, yeah. Yo, just that scene of like Al Pacino behind his desk with like a mountain of cocaine. Yeah. On his like, wow. We gotta take the cocaine. We gotta take the world. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> Dude, nothing yeah. but catchphrases in that movie, yeah. man. But okay. What you talking about, man? <laughs> man. <Yeah. laughs> Shout out to Lawrence Alamas when he looked good, huh? Yeah, yeah. And yo, Michelle Pfeiffer. Had a, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, Brian De Palma, he did out the part with Scarface. Narcos, probably not as good as Scarface. Uh, historically accurate? Eh, I can't really tell. I didn't really, you know, do the comparison. But as a show to watch, something that's fun to watch, yeah, it's extremely entertaining. If I had to give a number rating for season one... Yeah, uh, what's your rating for this? Season one, I would give it a very strong 8.5 upon 10. For, like, season two, when it starts to wane a bit, it starts to get a little bit dry. Eh, I mean, it's it's a good show. So, uh, I'm going to be a little bit fair. Uh, probably a 7 upon 10 for season two. Okay, that's I mean, fair enough, fair enough. So, Narcos, uh, recommend it. Okay, not highly recommended. I would highly recommend other shows, okay? I'm actually interested in the sh- other show that you're going to bring up um, based on the comic series, mm. I believe, Preacher. Garth Ennis' anti-religion <laughs> masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I've been watching a lot of TV. <laughs> so, Preacher, are you familiar with the comic book yes, series? Yes, yes, I've read like a couple of issues. Really good stuff. Oh, man, groundbreaking totally balls out insane yeah it actually put what i mean i've actually paid attention to god and it's like after this like i check out boys and I'm trying to remember what else he did. You know what you should <laughs> you know you know what you should also read you should read Crossed by Garth Ennis. I think I've recommended it to yes, you. Yes, you did bring it up. Yes, yes. Yo, if you wanna watch, if you wanna read a comic book about zombies who not only wanna eat you but also wanna fuck you, 
Read Cross, probably the most messed up thing to have ever come out in a while. So anyway, Preacher. So Preacher, if you are a fan of the comic book show, be prepared to have a lot of things not in the TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Now here's the thing about Preacher, right? It stars Dominic Cooper. Very talented British actor. I believe he was the king in World of Warcraft, if I recall. <laughs> so it's like Warcraft, Warcraft. I remembered him from other shows like History Boys, where he was with like like uh, James Corden or something. He was the bad guy in Need for Speed. I don't think anyone <laughs> saw that film, but China did. So like, yeah, Dominic Cooper, who is you know very talented English actor, going the route of many other people of his ilk. The, the he's pulling off a very good Southern accent. Cool. So cool. preacher tells the story of this guy who basically gains this interesting power. And this power is basically called Genesis. Now, Genesis is, in essence, the birthing of a demon and an angel. And what this power is, that it gives him the voice of God. Where basically, whenever he calls this power and he gives you an order, you have to obey. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the whole premise. I mean, like, it's not really a spoiler. This is what the show is really kind of based around. And it's based around, like, what I liked about the first season of Preacher, okay, which I finished watching, right? I love the casting. Remember Tulip? Mm-hmm. Now a black girl. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. racially diverse. Does it spoil the story? No, nah, I mean... I mean, as long as it follows Tulip, sort of, from the comics, I guess it's fine, right? But Tulip in this show is not really... I, I don't know, because I think Tulip in the comics, probably much later, you actually get to know her and you see the kind of badass she is. Mm-hmm. Like in this show, she's a bit more like that weird ex-girlfriend who has a past, and then they kind of mention it. I mean, if you're a fan of the comics, right, you would definitely see that she is staying true to the character, where she's a woman who's extremely independent, very aggressive when you push her, but at the same time, quite generous and loving. And of course, everybody's favorite Peter car- character, the Vampire Cassidy. Cassidy, yes. Uh, who's <laughs> playing him anyway? Do you remember? I have no idea what the actor's name is. Oh shit. But yo, he he reminds me of like Nightcrawler from like the X-Men last damn movie. What's this dude's name? Oh god. No, but anyway, Cassidy, okay. Not blonde. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still Irish. And uh, I would say... Um, Played by Joseph Gilgun? Gilgun? We'll go with Gilgun. Gilgun sounds cool. Uh, okay, Mr. Joseph Gilgun. I've seen him in like This Is England. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that show a lot. Now, he as Cassidy, uh, I think is going to get different responses. Because the thing is, he plays the vampire role very well. But they kind of sped up the whole bromance between him and the preacher. Mm-hmm. Where basically, it took a while before the two of them actually managed to get along. But right now, like, he literally drops out of the sky in this show. Mm. And he enters the world of the Preacher. And he, I mean, for the first, like, half of the season, Preacher doesn't even know he's a vampire yet. Mm. And the thing is, here's the problem a lot of people, especially the comic book fans will have with Preacher, is that for season one, they don't really do what they, suppo- what they really do for the entire series of the comic, where they do the giant road trip search for God. They stay in that town for the longest time and then there's a few tweaks and uh, changes here and there like certain characters are new certain characters you know like, like our space is there oh okay, okay. Now, and here's the strange thing he can sing in this one right not <laughs> really <laughs> he can talk <laughs> uh, but, and, and what I love about uh, our space in the comic books is right remember all the gibberish that comes out of his yes, mouth yeah. whoever the actor is he, he nails he 
It sounds exactly like what I read. Okay. So that's the best thing about our space here. Now here's the strange thing about our space. Uh, in the comics, right? The comics was a big deal in the '90s when it came out, and the whole our space character was central around. Uh, I mean, it was it's obvious. It, it's it's a Kurt Cobain reference mm-hmm. about how he and his friend goes out into the woods and like decide to blow their brains out, right? But he survives, mm-hmm. and the thing is, the shotgun damage like you know welds his mouth shut for some reason. So hence the R space and all that, right? This show is not set in the nineties. This was about like what later on two thousand ish. It's or? set kind of round now. Oh, okay. So there is no Kurt Cobain reference. So like it's it's, it's interesting how they played around how R space gets his R space literally. Mm, okay, okay. So it's like there's a lot of things that is changing. Now this is what I love about Preacher. Okay, this is what I think a good comic book to a visual medium should be. It's a fantastic adaptation. It knows its limits because there's some fantastical things that happen in the comic books that, you know, I don't think they have the budget for it. Because if you do remember, in the opening issues, there would be the whole scene in heaven and you see the birth of Genesis. And like Mm. the special effects on something like that would probably be way beyond what is like offered to a TV show as this, right? So they have to play around limitations and you believe that in season one, they do it pretty well. I se. think what they did, okay, like, like compared to something like Narcos, right? Where like Narcos is like, you know, okay, we have a budget, we have all this, we can film in freaking Colombia, we can like, you know, make it a real period piece, right? Preacher doesn't have any of that money. Well, I mean, what it does, I mean, money-wise, what it does have is probably Seth Rogen executive producing. Uh, so I didn't even know that he would be the kind of fan of Joey Preacher or that he would spirit and put this out there for us. But I think the guy is known to be a bit of a... A comic geek, geek right? Yeah, I guess so, yeah, yeah. I would believe that too. Uh, I mean, it's very weird. Every time you see an episode of Preacher, then you see his name in the credits. You know, oh, producer Seth Rogen. Like, <laughs> Preacher. <laughs> but, Can't like, wait for Sausage Party, definitely. Oh that man, movie. it's finally coming out here in Asia. Finally, finally coming out here in Singapore. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I don't want to spoil anything as well for Preacher because I think it's like uh, not readily available here in Asia. Okay? Not yet, not yet. Not yet. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to appear on cable soon. But okay, one thing I love, the violence, the gore. Okay, cool. Okay, if you're, be interested. If, if, if you're a fan of really gross shit, you know, yeah, it goes really gross here and there. Um, it is a very worthy adaptation of the comic book series. And if this show does well, it will f- probably take you to where the comic book series will go. Because like, what I can say about Preacher is, you can basically say that the first season is like probably the first three or four issues. Mm-hmm. You haven't even met the more fucked up elements of that comic book series. And that's been promised to you. The only thing that's been promised to you, and I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but they've already introduced the Saints of Killers character. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The right. cowboy who... That guy. The if cowboy. you know the comic, you know, you know why that guy is important. Okay? So he's been introduced. you got Cassidy. you the got The end picture. of the first season or what? No, during the whole season. They're oh, telling okay. two stories at the same time. Okay, okay, so basically, okay. you have Preacher who, you know, basically gets this new power. And like the whole thing is about basically how he wants to be a better Preacher. How he's kind of using this power to get more people, more parishes to enter his church. So it's like, you know, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. And then there's the more, the more psychotic elements will be peppered in here and there. Uh, Cassidy, fun guy to watch, you know. I mean, he, he's basically comic relief. And at the same time, he's also uh, a great foil to the preacher character. Tulip is there definitely as the romantic interest, but also as a strong character to herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's no real bad guy yet. And, and, and the thing is, I would hope that the actual bad guy of the movie, I mean, of the show, I mean, we all know who the main bad guy of the comics is. Mm-hmm. Okay? 
it's God. Anyway, <laughs> no, but like, I like how they're telling this story their own way. And I mean, this has been given full approval by Mr. Garth Ennis himself. He is also on the board as one of the producers. Oh, nice, nice. So it's like, I can, this is what's interesting to me. It's like a very good remix. It's how they're like, telling it in a different medium with the limitations they have. And I'm really looking forward to what's happening in season two and season three because I would, I would, I would hate to think that this can go anywhere bad. I mean, granted, despite its limitations, it's worthy. It's not canon, but it's an amazing show. You will definitely like it. It gets really fucked up towards the end. And if you like that kind of thing, highly recommend it. For me, if I were to give it like a number rating, definitely a strong 8.5 upon 10. Not a 9? I mean, it's not, not like something you're really recommending. I'm seriously recommending this. Okay, it's highly recommended, but I can't give it a 9 or... A, I mean, it's not a perfect show. It's not a 10 upon 10. Uh, I can't give it a 9 because I'm aware of the limitations. So if you're a comic book fan, right, there'll be moments where you'll be watching this and you'll be like, ah, oh, if only they, they can't do this or they haven't done this or they haven't done this. Mm-hmm. But if you're unaware of the comics, or if you're just watching this fresh, right, dude, this is one of those kind of shows that it'd be like, <laughs> this should be right up early if you like fucked up TV shows. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to season two. Hope they follow this train and like the way it goes, I think it's going to be, you know, probably good. Very good. Yeah, so... Highly recommended. I'm Brooke Allen, artist, co-creator of Lumberjanes. You're listening to LastKing.net. Um, yeah. recently they just came out in Singapore Segway <laughs> yeah. uh, The Blair Witch and I was actually going into this movie with a very jaded mindset because I have seen Paranormal Activity I've seen the shitty sequel for Paranormal Activity how many of the sequels are there? oh my god I think there are five and I don't know if they're gonna be staying in that room anymore I think it's just turning <laughs> super batshit supernatural to the point where it's like a comedy already I have to confess I've only seen one. Okay, the first good. one. Just stay there. You'll be fine. <laughs> you are okay there. Now, we don't we don't know that the Blair Witch Project actually started this whole train of found footage things nah. for horror. Okay, I know Cannibal Holocaust did it first, but we're talking yeah. more. Like, okay, you're not Cannibal Holocaust started first. You're right. I mean, okay, I would say this: the Cannibal Holocaust would be the first found footage style movie. But Blair Witch is the first found footage slash supernatural slash horror movie. It was more like, a, it was framed as in like, oh, these are these tapes were found in the other, yada, yada. Yeah, this be, is the shit that happened. This and is like a real shit. thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I mean, People thought it was real at the time. Yeah, we have to bring up the hype of the, ni- oh uh, the early, the late 90s. It, it was it, so messed up, dude. I mean, <laughs> it, was clever, it was clever marketing, I'll have to admit. For the Blair Witch? Yeah, the Blair Witch Project, the very first one. You know what I want to say about the Blair Witch Project? All I remember was the website. Mm. Remember when they pitched? I mean, when they the, when the movie trailer came out, and it is the first time I saw a trailer in the cinema with a website at the bottom. So like, I I went back, I checked out the website, and it's like, wow, it was this really expensive website which had the lore, which had like you know, like, uh, 
they, they made it look like you know this is a, a, an actual thing that yeah. happened before people figure out what the hell uh, uh alternate reality marketing marketing is I, would that be, I mean this is way before social media so this is like yeah, way you know, before props to these guys for being ahead of their time yeah and like okay maybe do you want to preface this by talking more about the original Blair Witch and then going into the sequel um I guess we could actually because it's always good to bring up some history like again when we watch when I watched Blair Witch back in the day the, the very first one Blair Witch Project mm. it definitely set a mood it set a tone we know that this movie after we watched it it wasn't really done on a much of a budget to begin with yeah I but think... the way they did everything where everything was ad-lib where everything was basically all played from straight to the really cor- the really ch- creepy scene where she's just pointing a camera at herself <laughs> the legendary scene yes, the legendary scene that yes. would be parodied forever yeah I mean oh, you go have a, I mean that's the reason why it's parodied because it's it's effective. iconic it's effective yeah. yes but and what do you think about the first film like for me uh, I was on the hype train from the very beginning I remember when that movie I mean like when the website came out when the trailers came out and I was really interested in like oh look at this really interesting horror movie now the thing is I did watch Cannibal Holocaust already mm. so like, when it was like uh, announced it didn't feel like oh it's ripping off Cannibal Holocaust it's another found footage show it was more like oh this looks fresh this looks new because if you understand right horror in the 90s not really I think we're looking at more at I know what he did last summer kind of stuff yeah it was entering that whole wave of like teen slasher I mean because it was basically um, kind of like taking the ball from movies like a movie like Scream and then like just running with it you know they're doing Halloween but for the 90s oh man you know I mean, yo, shout, shout outs to that whole sub-genre of the resurgence slasher flick right and like it was nice to know that somewhere in the late nineties, you know, there was a, a horror movie that wasn't based around a mass killer, but something more supernatural. And okay, when I saw this flick, first thing that grabbed my attention was just how raw it was and how effective that rawness was. Now it wasn't as if I I felt like it wasn't intentional by the filmmakers. Where it, there were moments where it felt like you'll be just watching these guys like, you know, like meander and wander and just like ad-lib. Like that whole scene about, you know, when they lost the map got a little bit irritating because like, you know, the girl character was like, okay, just stop picking on the guy. Shut up. Leave Mm -hmm. him alone. You know, but then the best thing about Blair Witch to me, right, was moments when the camera would just pan into the forest and you would just gaze into the darkness, into the abyss, you know, and like how that would just unlock this natural primal instinct in yourself, like the fear of the unknown, of the darkness, like, you know, don't go there, something's going to kill you or eat you. And like, I mean, to me, that's why I think The Blair Witch is such an effective movie. Now, is it a good movie? Uh, No. I mean, technically, it's a terrible whole movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally, and that's how they sold it. But uh, it was innovative for its time, and it really, I mean... I would definitely say it. that it was very innovative. And now, is it a good movie? No. Is it an effective horror movie? Yes. How effective? Dude, people have been ripping off that show. I mean, we paranormal activity. Till now. The found be. footage genre, okay, started there, and it just kept rolling and rolling up till now. There's still a paranormal activity that's going to come out, like, what, next I year? I think there's year? a fifth or a sixth one now. Why? <laughs> I think that I think that dead horse needs to be beaten some more. I guess. I mean, I do understand, right? Like that kind of movie is very cheap to film, and the returns are you know huge. I guess huge. there's always that that fan base, you know. But now with all that happening, with all the new kind of horror movies, the 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 the, the jump scare horror movies, mm. which is a very tight term, by the way. 
this language comes in. Now, we have to remember, before this was announced, it was actually masked as a movie called The Woods. Yeah, I remember that. And when they people when they were premiered in uh, what's that, SDCC, a Comic Con, yeah. people didn't know they were watching a Blair Witch film until it was just released, announced. <laughs> and people who saw that, I think they were on the hype train and they somehow loved it. The old bait and switch. Yeah, bait and switch, yes. <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. Now, me entering into this film, this is actually not bad. I, despite the fact that it's just following tropes of current horror films, mm. I still think it's an effective film. Despite the jump scares that you have, it's like, oh, there's way too much of it going on. The fake outs and whatnot. Though you kind of, you kind of are guessing while you're watching the film, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? And then when it happens, you kind of least expect it in a sense. Okay. Okay, now, now the, the premise is basically Heather's uh, brother, after for so damn long. Oh, that's the name of the girl. Once, Heather, yeah, yeah. yeah. Heather's the girl who... Who died. cried into the camera. Yes, that, that chick. Ah, uh, we didn't now, know if she died. The camera just... Who knows? Yes. Yeah. It, now... Spoilers for the first Blair Witch movie, which came out like a decade ago. Okay, now, <laughs> after for so long, the brother, old already, he did his... He's, he's, he, I think he's working as a fireman, if I recall. Okay. Wants to go on this track to get closure. So we mm. got a group of friends. They are super well prepared, by the way. Really? So they got uh, okay. So they got high tech stuff. They got like a GPS camera thingy they can put in the ear. Wow. Yeah. They got a Google drone. Glass. Yeah. They, they got a drone. <laughs> they I got think... a drone. <laughs> okay. They had a drone. I'm trying to remember what they got else a they drone had. to find the crone. Yeah. They had... <laughs> That's a good tagline. Thank you. you. Yeah. There's a walkie-talkie as well, and they actually got guides to help them out. No. Wait, no, no Samsungs or iPhones? Or no, no, no. <laughs> well, they have, they have phones. I think it's a Samsung. I'm, I did not hear the product placement. I'm pretty well. sure that the Forest is very bad network. <laughs> okay. Oh, and, and uh, what else? Oh, yeah. And then they got guides. Guides from the actual area where that forest is, the Blair Witch Forest oh, is. Oh, okay. So, so is isn't a three-man group anymore. Uh, it's like basically one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six-person group. Six people? Six people with all well-prepared and all going in the forest. Do they have a paladin and a mage too? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Of course. Everything goes wrong, goes to shit. Of course. It yeah. wouldn't be a horror movie if everything yeah. went well. Yeah, yeah. It went to shit. And then for all the lack of, I mean, not for lack of trying, they did try their best to, you know, survive and all that. But again, shit goes wrong. The way actually everything was handled, it actually is trying to be a tribute to the first film, like a very expensive fanfic. Really? Fan movie, in a way. Hmm. But with all of those sort of limitations in mind, it's an effective horror movie, in a sense. Still following the whole tropes of jump scares and all that. Like, I was not expecting certain things to happen until it happened. Like, um, remember those little stick figures that always pop up? Oh, the little wooden, yeah. Okay, that's the reason why people don't break it. And it'll show you that reason halfway in the film. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that happened and holy shit, this is some David, this is almost some David Cronenberg shit, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm getting excited. So, yeah, yeah. like... I, to say any more would be kind of spoilerish. Yeah, but I can l- say... Let's not spoil it, yeah. Okay, but I can say... The elusive Blair Witch, you could see a tease on it. Oh, she gets revealed? Tease, tease, tease. Mm. But I'm gonna, not going to say more than that, that's for sure. Because the mm. way it's framed, all the way from the middle to the end and all that, it actually worked out pretty well. I'm super surprised. It's effective. Like, there's a reason why the Stickmen are also done it up as well. Like, I have no idea whether Blair Witch has a crew or a posse or whatever. So it expands on the lore or, and the mythology. In a way, it does, but it does not say it outright. It oh. actually shows, which is why I love about this film. Okay, good filmmaking right there. Yeah, okay, yeah, show, yeah. don't tell. And of course, if you don't like... Of course, the bad thing is, this is a movie you cannot watch twice. 
Because all the surprises will be revealed and everything, right? Oh. That's usually your fault, but that's the fault of the genre itself, not so much the movie. Yeah, okay, I get what you mean. Once you see it once, oh, you're not going to be surprised. I mean, I would definitely say the same thing about a movie I reviewed recently, Don't Breathe. Like, yeah. You can watch that once, maybe twice, if yeah. you, you kind of get lost. But... I mean, certain horror movies like Alien and uh, Babadook, you can watch it again and again because, again, that sets a a theme of dread and isolation and whatnot going on. Not just and that, you kind of get that feeling. You want that feeling coming back. Whereas Blair Witch, boo, boo. That's it. <laughs> but it's effectively done in that sense. So, despite the despite the team's preparedness. Hmm. But, I mean, okay, you do mention that there's a lot of jump scares and it's like a homage to the first film, right? It's a homage. Like, like I think I mentioned, it's a expensive fan film. Really, and it's actually done by the guy who did a uh, VCR, if I recall. That was a oh okay direct to was that direct to video? Was it? I don't remember VCR. Yeah, uh, <laughs> direct to video. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, okay. In this day and age, mm. uh, there was another movie. He did. Is it available uh, on Betamax? He did who's next. Oh, who's next was yeah, a good show. Good, yeah. I liked it so a lot. He did this. Okay, cool. So, I I hope that actually can convince you to watch it. I would give it an eight, but again. The problem is basically you can't watch it again. An eight upon ten. Yeah, it's very effective. Okay. I'm surprised, honestly. So here's the thing. This is not a sequel. This is the third in the trilogy. I guess so. <laughs> if we want to do, we want to bring that one up. I mean, I I'm one of the yeah, guys who I kind of liked it. I didn't hate it. I mean, it's it did its own thing. It had a really cool twist. That's what I like about the Book of Shadows. But the stuff that happened in the middle is like, I'm really trying too hard in a sense. I guess I was of the right age to watch a show like that because I had a thing for the golf girl. Yeah, but I think we all had a thing for golf girls. Yeah, but my problem with Book's Shadows is like I remember watching it after Did watching. She have superpowers? I'm not sure. She was a Wiccan or something, or was that the other girl? Oh, the other girl was a Wiccan. Oh, she was yeah. kind of hot actually. I kind of preferred her. Yeah, but blonde, brunette, red hair. But here's the thing about like Blair Witch too. I saw it once or twice. Totally forgot about it. I have no idea what happens in it. I do remember that the, the twist ending was quite interesting and unique. Like, to me, the problem with Book of Shadows is it was that it had a lot of big ideas, but it's like the people who were in charge of the movie who put that together were either not smart enough or were like, it was like too big for their britches. They couldn't really pull off what it is they want to do. I mean, like, I mean, for its time, it's a, not a great sequel. But I like the fact that it was doing the whole Halloween 3 style anthology thing. Yeah, actually, where it's like it's just trying that. to be its own thing, where it's like based in the same universe, but at the same time telling a story differently. Yeah. yeah. So I will give Book of Shadows props for that. Now, is it better than Blair Witch 1? Well, technically, yeah. It has a budget, I, would, I guess. I would say, so, yeah. yeah as, sure. Technically, as a movie, yeah, it looks like a movie. It mm. looks like something that was put together yeah. compared to like something like Blair Witch 1, which like, you know, even before like stuff like Cloverfield. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Like people complain that Cloverfield gave them motion sickness. Yo, watch the original Blair Witch. All of that shit is... It's very, very shaky. It's, it's pure very, very shaky. handheld, lo-fi, wow. And man, um, okay, I'm not, I don't want you to spoil the new Blair Witch. But I would definitely want to say, like, um, you did bring up jump scares. Yes. Now, if I recall the original Blair Witch, right, didn't have that much jump scares. Probably it only had that one. There was that one in the in the 10th, right? Yeah. yeah, where basically they were like, they heard the voices outside and then, like, you know, they were attacked or something. I remember that, I remember that freaked me out and I thought, okay, this is when things are going to jump off and it's going to get weirder. But no, it didn't. It's like, what I like about the original Blair Witch in its super lo-fi style is the fact that it was extremely subtle and it allowed scenes to breathe and it allowed like things to just happen in front of you 
Like there was no MTV style jump cuts or quick edits. It right? was just all the way straight. It was you know. Yeah, fresh. I mean, they would linger on moments yeah. quite a lot, which really added to the whole aesthetic of that whole film, right? Now, does that repeat in the new Blair Witch? It has moments that linger on, but let's just say that it's trying because it's tra- targeting that kind of horror audience. Those unnecessary like those uh, fake outs kind of needs to be there in a sense. But mm. when the real ones happen, oh god, that's actually this is actually done pretty well. I guess I mean I mean, they, they I think, think it's because maybe they're trying to be its own thing while also being a tribute to the first Blair Witch, while also taking into account that these are the kind of horror movies people want to watch. The whole fake outs, the whole jump scare things. The modern horror movies. Yeah, the modern horror films. So uh, is it safe to say that this is like The Force Awakens to the original Star Wars? Actually, you can say that. Uh, well, right. that, that is a very good analogy. <laughs> so it's yes. kind of like telling the An same... An expensive fanfic. It's, it's telling the same story, but, you know, kind of different. <laughs> what What I hope is that the next... If there's ever going to be a next Blair Witch it after this... It probably will. Um, it has the same director. You like what he's done? I like, I like what he did for this one. It expands more on the lore, hopefully. Mm. Like how what Star Wars is doing right now as well, too. Okay, sense. I guess. Yeah, so I want to see that, so... I'm sticking to my score, 8 out of 10. It's still, it should be showing right now still in Singapore, so go watch it. I think it's probably still showing in America right now, right? That By the time too, this yes, comes out. Too. Like, yeah, yeah, around... Yeah, after you, this this month, actually, come to think of it. So highly recommend it. Yeah, I should go there and check it out? Actually, you should, yes. Okay, so I will definitely go and check out The Blair Witch. You know, maybe I might do my own follow-up review. I'm a bit more of a prickler. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Stickler. You, yeah, you, I'm a stickler you, for horror. The whole more genuine horror films in a sense. I mean, I have a whole list of horror movies I want to talk about on this podcast, which we should be saving for the Halloween episode. We will do that, yes. Yes, we'll do an all horror movies, video games, and maybe TV shows podcast for you know, October 31st. Yes. So, And I think with that, we can just wrap it up. We can call it a day. So thank you again for listening to The Last King Podcast. You can find us on our website, thelastking.net. You can find us on our Twitter and Instagram at Last King Podcast. You can also find us on iTunes. Woohoo, iTunes. Don't forget up. to like, review, subscribe. Okay, We, we want to get our voices out there as far as possible. Doing all that stuff really helps. This is the dawn of the new age when you think about it. Yes, our Rex to Riches has just begun. Okay, Pretty soon, we will be shouting, Hiho de puta. <laughs> And we'll have mountains of cocaine on this table that we're doing the show. That's on. the dream. That's all I'm looking forward to. Why am I doing this podcast? Mountains of cocaine. Yes. <laughs> so this has been your co-host Shafiq. And this is Mr. Tuffy signing off.